Kiora. Welcome to Baptist People. My name's Charles Hewlett. And I'm Catherine Heslop. In our roles as National Leader and Executive Advisor within the Baptist Churches of New Zealand, we daily have the privilege of bumping into interesting people. These podcasts give us the opportunity to introduce them to you and to let them shape us as we endeavour to bring gospel renewal to people and places. In conversation, we explore something of their story. Why do we find them so interesting? What are they giving their lives to? Where does the motivation come from? We reflect together on both the highs and lows of their journey. Thanks heaps for taking the time to listen in today. This week, I talk with David King. David is married to Anna, and together they have two adult children currently studying at university. David has had a career in public policy with over 30 years experience in this space, including in the area of child protection. In this podcast, I talk with David about his own childhood trauma and the sense of worthlessness that he carried into his life. His recent journey from feeling worthless to knowing that he is loved and valued and how this has changed his life. We also briefly touch on the recent Royal Commission of Inquiry into Abuse and Care, and we hear David's message for Baptists in this important space. In addition to seeking support from your faith community, David wanted to emphasise how important it is to seek professional help via your GP if you are feeling worthless, depressed or anxious. David, From a very young age, you have felt a deep sense of worthlessness. Why did you feel this way? Well, Catherine, um, to to give you an answer to that, I have to talk about my dad a little bit. And I just want to make really clear as I say what I say, that um, dad, I now understand, really experienced his own hurt and Mm -hmm his own way of coping with life and uh, the manner of parenting that he adopted as a result of that was misguided. But I do think he was doing his best as he understood it. So mm-hmm. just re- want to really make that clear. Right. Um, so da- Dad was a um, he was an accountant, but he spent some time in the territorial army and he came away from that deeply affected and Mm -hmm. in essence told me as I was growing up that he had learned everything that he needed to know in the army and the key thing the key thing he had taken away from that was that people could achieve so much more than they thought possible if they were able to push themselves much further than they usually would and if you like the imposition of external discipline was the way to push people further Mm. And, Mm. and and even more than that that you really needed to break someone's spirit and then drive them further to get that maximum achievement and he you know wrongly I think, (laughs) obviously, Mm. uh, concluded that that was a technique or a a style of parenting that was appropriate for his children because, you know, he saw our success Mm. as much as possible to be the ultimate good. Um, Yeah, so I I grew up in in an environment of 
you know, very, very hard discipline. And you know, just to give one story that um, sticks with me pretty powerfully, you know, I was, a, I was a very good soccer player as a young person, and I, I played in a team with a chap named Danny Halligan who went on to play for New Zealand. I thought I was pretty good because he <laughs> and, um, You know, I had what I felt this would, would have been about nine or ten years of age, you know, the perfect game. I remember one pass that I made which created in a goal. It was just the perfect pass. And um, Dad just took me home from that game in stony silence. And mm -hmm. as we got out of the car, he sort of, he dragged me by the hair um, out to the backyard and just started holding on to my hair, uh, throwing me to the ground and pulling me back up and say fast and saying faster, faster, faster. Oh, and, wow. And apparently there was one time when I was tackled where, from his point of view, I hadn't got up fast right. enough. So, you know, this was his way of um, encouraging me to uh, get up faster. So, yeah, as, as a result of a number of incidents like that and just an ongoing sort of unhealthy environment uh, mm -hmm. at home, I ended up uh, you know, coming into adolescence with a real sense that I wasn't good enough, never be good enough. And yeah, just terrified that I could be rejected by anyone for any reason. Mm -hmm. And I guess, guess having formed that view as a child, that felt extremely threatening because as a child, if you're rejected, you don't have the ability to cope. And so that feeling of terror was really terror, I now realize, of death, of just wow. not, not being able to cope with, wow. with mm. you know, not having anyone around me to support me. And, and mm. so, yeah, I guess that's how I ended up with <laughs> feeling wow. not, very, not very good about myself. Yeah, that, that's quite the story that you've got, David. That's, that's really tough, yeah. Yeah. So... You've recently been on a journey from yeah. this feeling of worthlessness, which yeah. is completely understandable, to a feeling of being worthwhile. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, I'll just tell it in, in, in two parts. The one is the real, the real story, as it were, of the last five or so years. Mm -hmm. but, but I just want to acknowledge that over the previous years you know from being an adolescent to someone of <laughs> an age let's say let's say 50-ish um <laughs> I, 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 yeah 50 plus five or a little more um, um yeah that i was very very fortunate to have a couple of things which kept me in the game of life as it were right. when yeah. i could have really gone off the rails mm. and potentially actually ended up um, dead, I guess. And, you know, one, I, I was fortunate to meet a professor of English who showed me some kindness and encouraged me in education. And mm -hmm. by hanging on to education, 
you know, I was able to, you know, I guess, get a job and mm. develop a career in the public service and and so on. And that 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 was just totally by chance that I met this person. And then, yeah, and, and then secondly, um, you know, I was finishing my MBA and in a place of just terrible despair and, yeah, just about to give up on life. And my MBA program director, <laughs> he essentially said to me, um, I don't think you're going to be very much good for business, but you do have a... A bit of a brain and you might be able to work <laughs> with someone like the treasury um, i had no idea what the treasury <laughs> was but a couple of weeks later i was um working there and i just landed in this wonderful world of public policy where you get to think about what mm -hmm. does the government do to make people's lives better and amazing and that so that provided me with a career and just the ability to hang on in there for mm. quite a number of years. And and both, you know, that call by my program director, you know, again, it was a chance thing. And if it hadn't happened, who knows how life would have ended up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as I say, you know, a considerable number of years pursuing a career, but all the time feeling like I was wearing a mask mm. and not really being myself and having this just terrible underlying feeling of being no good and inadequate mm. and being vulnerable to being rejected and you know rejection just had those huge consequences in my mind as I said yeah. before. Mm. Um, and eventually, uh, three, no, five years ago, I guess, um, I just couldn't maintain that mask anymore. Yeah. I was yeah. tired and mm. it just it just consumed so much energy. And I started getting really depressed and anxious and unable to work. And eventually in 2020, uh, just had to give up my job um, because right. I just couldn't function. And, you know, I, I got to the point where, you know, I'd be catching the bus into work, just having forced myself to get up. Mm -hmm. And by the time I got to work, I was just such a mess. I just literally crossed the road and caught the bus back mm. home. So yeah, wow. it, was just, yeah. it was just awful, really. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I was so fortunate to have an attachment to Karori Baptist Church. We'd, we'd brought up our children there. Nice. And yeah, you know, about that time I was experiencing all that depression and not being able to keep the mask up. I talked mm. to one of the pastors there and I just said, look, you know, I'm having this real struggle never had the sense that God loved me and um, never felt loved to just feel so bad about myself. And she said, what, you know, what would make a difference? And, you know, I don't know where this thought came from, but I said, 
you know, I've always imagined just having two or three people who I guess could meet with me from time to time, perhaps pray with me, um, mm -hmm. just hear, hear where I was. And, you know, just an amazing story of support unfolded from wow. that. And over the past five years, there's been effectively four people at Karori Baptist who have met with me once a week or once mm -hmm. a fortnight for quite a few years and then in their individual ways over the last couple of years have supported me in the different ways that they can and you know just such an active demonstration of love and care and concern so you know that's been the foundation but then you know there's just been such an internal journey from that point of worthlessness to mm -hmm. you know, now yeah I guess feeling really really uh, loved wow. the fullest sense of the word and as a result of that love feeling a in a sense feeling no fear no vulnerability um, able to be myself and and, and just to you know, describe, if you like, the key steps in that journey. You know, prayer was the key thing. And, you know, I, to be frank, I wasn't really sure whether I believed fully in God or even what belief meant. But this verse just resonated with me that made a difference and I'm sure it's very familiar to a lot of listeners it was you know, Jesus saying don't be afraid seek first the kingdom of God and effectively he was saying everything that you need everything that you worry about will be taken care of what you need will be provided to you yeah and something deep in me said look I do believe there is a better way mm my way and yeah. that there is this thing called a kingdom of love I guess and yeah. yeah I really want to commit my life to trying to find that kingdom and you know I would live with such regret if I look mm. back on life and I hadn't given myself to that yeah. and as a result I, I, I really turned to God in prayer you know, being completely open with him that I wasn't sure that he was there, <laughs> but um, but uh, I guess started talking as if he mm -hmm. was. Um, yeah, so stepping out in faith. I guess it was stepping out in faith, but it was a very tentative faith at yeah. that stage. But, yeah, the next step was really just being... Uh, having this sense from my knowledge of the Psalms that it was okay to tell God exactly what you were mm. feeling. And right. that resulted in me just being able to pour out all the, mm. emotion, the emotion that I felt. And there wasn't just that sense of terror and fear. Yeah, there was so much anger, yeah. so much grief. You know, and surprisingly, in some sense, but quite profoundly, just a sense of disgust and revulsion mm -hmm. at what had been what had been done to me. Yeah. Yeah, and wow. yeah, that whole process of releasing mm -hmm. those emotions 
being able to talk about them with a God who was there to listen and to judge, wanted to hear exactly what I was feeling. Yeah. Wanted me to be real, not to have a mask. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get that out? Like, did you write it out? Did you just talk to God over and over and over again? Was it just constant prayer? Constant prayer. And, you know, this is the the thing that has been my whole journey. It has been learning to have more and more confidence in Mm. that prayer process and in a God who, you know, in in my mind is a father, is my Mm. real father, um, as it were, um, and who wants you to be, wants me to be totally real Mm. Um, there to be no artifice and that to be no sort of formulaic stuff about being with them to treat Mm. them as a real father to whom you would run with your worries Mm. um, look look for comfort from look for counsel from um yeah so that's been the, the sort of constant theme but just you know just to very briefly return to the sort of final phases of that prayer process um you know, in, in prayer with God, I had to really unpack two things. One, what do we actually mean by love? Because yeah, I, right. I, I didn't really know what that meant. And um, through that process, you know, I just developed this idea or the sense of what love is, that it is being fully accepted as one is. It's, it's being greeted with warmth and joy whenever you come into someone's presence. Mm. Um, it's forgiveness. It's yeah. um, it's looking out for your best. Um, mm. Many, many things. And, yeah. and, and so as I learned about that, you know, I could just rest more and more in that sense of, oh, this is who the person I'm talking to. And that feeling, you know, not just the knowledge that God mm. loves you, but the feeling I am loved began, yeah. to, began mm. to develop. Yeah. And it's and, kind of like you could just come to God with all of your mess and all of your brokenness. And absolutely. Still, all of that was still good enough to be deeply, deeply loved by Him. Yeah. In fact, um, not that God has favorites, but <laughs> that, um, that, 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 you know, he, he has a particular heart for the brokenhearted. And, yeah, true. Um, and uh, is certainly there, mm. there and understands that sense of having a broken spirit and yeah. wanting to give a spirit of, of life. And just, a, you know, the very, very final step was actually in prayer unpacking what is it actually to believe in God and I and I guess um, looking back I had a very nominal sort of faith whereas through this process I I saw well to believe something is to actually look at something and draw a conclusion about it and commit oneself to it And, and I really went through this process of okay, there was this guy, Jesus, who came and said amazing things Mm. 2,000 years ago, who died and a 
according to the witnesses, was resurrected. And I asked myself, do I really believe that? Am I willing to put my life on the line for that and live as best I can in accord with that? And Mm -hmm. just reaching that decision and saying, yes, when I look at it all, I'm prepared to believe that. I think that's right decision and you know once I did that it just all fell into place and Um, um, yeah I just moved to that point of I guess fullness of life that we're promised um amazing that started sort of 18 months ago and I I just you know I just pinch myself now I just can't believe the life I'm living that's incredible yeah wow that's an amazing story so yeah so it's changed your life so how has it changed your life what's the life that you're living now yeah it's I mean it it all flows from this concept of love I have I guess an orientation of love um that sounds a bit arrogant but you know I really believe that in 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 the way I approach life Mm. and it starts through this tremendous sense of daily intimacy with God because God loves me. And yeah. We love God because he loves us. And so there's that just richness um, of relationship to pull back on, to, you know, to provide the foundation for life. Mm. Um, can, I, can I ask, do you yeah. think that you have um, more of a heart to love others in the way you live your life because of your experiences, because you didn't receive that love yourself? Oh, uh, I certainly, yeah, really identify with people who, I guess, you know, have had suffering in their life and, and mm. in particular with people who have gone through child abuse and childhood trauma. And, you know, I was really privileged last year to be able to work on child abuse policy as the government was doing some reforms. Not that I agreed with those reforms, and, <laughs> but, I, but I, you know, worked in opposition yes, to them. Right. Uh, but, and that had a real sense of satisfaction about mm. it. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah, I guess all my relationships with friends and family have just improved enormously. And I would say there's now a deep relationship with most of them yeah. because, um, you know, I bring my true self, who yeah. I am, God, to them. And, yeah, I, you know, because I'm not worried about myself and who yeah. I am and feeling vulnerable to them, I can be open to, well, what's this person really saying? And what's the response to them that would be the loving one, the one that looks to their best interests? Yeah, so um, I think, yeah, that's the, the guts of it. But yeah, and also um, just having this tremendous sense of purpose now that, you know, I know what my, you know, again, it sounds slightly fanciful, but I just have this sense of purpose that you know this things which I was born to do that are yeah. tr- true me and who God wow. made me to be and um, you know each day is devoted to those things so you yeah. know they, they you know just from my reading of psychology and so on they just say people having a sense of purpose and mm. meaning is so important in recovery and so on and you know well, my experience is God delivers a sense of purpose and meaning. So, yes. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it must be an incredible weight off your shoulders that you you probably couldn't even work out you were carrying. Um, now well, being able to be your true self and yeah. accepting of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, you make you make a really good point, Catherine. That you know, I, I I talk, I think, reasonably clearly about my experience now, but um, you know, that's because I've learned to understand and articulate what my experience has been in recent years but as the child and as the young adult moving through life you, you're carrying these wounds that you yeah. you can't even give voice to or give words yes. to because you just don't have the vocabulary or yes. you weren't allowed to express your emotions and yeah the burden of that is just mm. you know, having all that trauma locked in inside oneself it's just just awful so yeah the the sense of a weight off my shoulders is enormous wow yeah that's incredible so i know that you know there'll be people listening to this podcast who have their own ch childhood trauma and just trauma through life that they need to unpack themselves but there's also people who will be ministering to others who, who have this sort of trauma. So what would you say to those who struggle with that sense of worthlessness and for those ministering to people who struggle with feeling worthy? Yeah, I guess too. Well, let's start with those who who really struggle when, and, and perhaps, you know, that childhood trauma is a big mm. part of it. Although I think many people feel a sense of a lack of value mm. anyway, no matter, you know, even if we've had the best, best childhood, it's sort of part of being human in a way. Yeah. But yeah, for, yeah. For those who really struggle, um, I would say, look, no matter how hard it is to believe it, you really are not worthless. You are mm. worthwhile. Yeah. No matter how hard it is to believe it, there is actually a pathway through it, a path where you are led to a place where you can not just know in a sort of rational sense mm. that you are loved and worthwhile, but in a deep, deep mm. way and complete way. And, you know, I would encourage you know anyone who's a christian or interested in exploring christianity to you know as a route to finding that love just start with you know, i guess reach out to the people you know in church who should hopefully be able to provide support and and yeah if you can find a way to start talking to god uh, without any worry about doing it the right way that the path will open up i'm yeah. really, really positive about that uh for those who are ministering to people who have got this sense of worthlessness in mm. their lives key I, I guess the key thing to say is just don't underestimate at all yeah. how hard it is mm -hmm. to find this sense of worthiness Sort of hardwires itself into the brain and it is a real journey to move out of that trauma into yeah. a place of love and so yes please you know glib answers 
uh, just won't work. Yeah. Um, as a church community, you know, through your ministry role in this area, wrap support around mm. people in these positions as as much as you can and as much as they are comfortable. Yeah. With, and just keep letting them know that you are there. Yeah. And, you know, it's mm. it's been very, very striking to me. You know, people say sometimes Christians are no different to anyone else. Um, mm. It's been so striking to me, the difference in the Christian response to me than, if you like, the secular response. There are people who, you know, are, are secular who care about me clearly but and have been supports but the level of commitment from my christian community my Karori baptist community you know i it is a testimony i think to mm. and a presentation of what kingdom life is about i think yeah that's incredible it is a, it is a different world from this world you've had many years actually working in that policy space um, like you say, you talk about that providing a good career for you. Um, and I realise that you've been involved in child protection. As yep. you know, we've had recently a Royal Commission of Inquiry into Abuse yep. and Care in yep. faith based institutions. So this has impacted every church yep. in New Zealand. They've yep. all had to trawl through records and yep. um, it's been very much an eye-opening experience for every single church. So... You know, because of your experience in this space, what message would you like to share with our churches in this area? Yeah, great question. I think probably two things. I'd say, A, don't underestimate the damage that the record of abuse in faith-based institutions has done to people's perception of Christianity and mm. churches. And yeah, we need to own that as yeah. churches. We need yeah. to own it, say, you know, not be defensive about it, say, we got it wrong. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't live up to what we espouse, the values yes. that we espouse. And yes. um and we are committed to restoring relationships mm. where we want it with those who are have been hurt and repairing, helping them repair, repair themselves, I guess. And just as importantly, we are committed to putting in place measures mm. that really ensure this doesn't happen. And if it does happen to happen again, not to go into denial, but yeah. to move into true responsiveness. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it potentially provides the church with a good reason to reflect on what it has been and who it is now and where it wants to go and to ask itself, to what extent do we really embody the principles that we were taught by Jesus and mm. how can we take steps to you know, have love right at the heart of ourselves and show that love to mm. one another and out there in the community in a way mm. that's 
you know, recognizably different from <laughs> the love that you get in, in the world, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would say, yeah, I think where wrongs have been done, I think the church needs to absolutely front foot it. And like you say, put in place really good policies and processes yeah. as best as possible that, that people yeah. can be safe within their yeah. context. And I think, say, 20, 30 years ago, the way perhaps churches used to deal with conflict or, you know, these types of issues, it was almost like there was this sort of thinking that if you cannot get involved in all the complaints and all of that, yeah. then you can focus on mission. Yeah. But my thinking is if you get involved and yeah. you take people's voices seriously and you hear yeah. them, that yeah. is mission. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because at the end of the day, mission is showing love to the people mm. around you and and showing <laughs> that love to those who most deserve your mm. love and those who have been hurt yeah. by the yeah. very institution that they went to for. Yeah. Um, is, is, is so important. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And thank, thanks for the work you do. It's just so important. It has been so great talking with you today, David. Thank you so much for sharing your story so honestly and, and being willing to be vulnerable and really put it out there for us. Massively no, no, pro no problem at all. It's, um, you know, I just feel so impacted by what's mm -hmm. happened to me. So, you know, as you put it, just such a weight has been lifted from me that mm. uh, it's important to you know, make that story known so that if it helps yeah. others, then, um, then that, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Thanks heaps, David. Okay.